It's the penultimate edition of the Dolphins in Depth show, the penultimate pre-draft edition of the Dolphins in Depth show, and this one is special because it includes video. <laughs> and aren't you happy to see two studly people such as star of the show Adam Beasley and smile of the show Armando Salguero. How are you, star of the show, Adam Beasley? Yeah, I feel like our thousands upon thousands of listeners on Sirius XM Radio are going to miss out this week. So maybe that's incentive to go and uh, sign up for our podcast, consume it in as many platforms as possible, because you get to see your beautiful office, my office behind me. Uh, we, do, we are real people. We are not uh, catfish. We are actual real people. And uh, we're we're uh, we're excited because the draft is nearly upon us today. We're we're taping this on today. It's April twentieth. Uh, in eight days and a few hours, we're going to know who the Dolphins are taking. And all this conjecture, all this talk, uh, will finally be over, and it'll be time to realize uh, what the future of the Dolphins will look like. Speaking of offices, uh, that's an excellent uh, artwork that you have in the background there, bees. Uh, tell people what that is, that little flower thing over... This over side? There. Yes. Yeah, it's a concert poster. It's uh, from one of the many concerts I've been to. On this side, it's a the Miami Open uh, artwork. Of, well, I'm a huge fan of, of the of Prince, a certain artist uh, does. You can't see it. It's in front of me. I have the TPC Sawgrass. So uh, I like to convert my office to a bit of a gallery, you know. For anything that's below $100, I'll put on my wall and I'll put a cheap frame on and it'll make me look classy. Very nice. Very nice. Well, um, let's get to it, shall we? Because people didn't tune in for decorator tips from, <laughs> from star of the show. So the Miami Dolphins, as, as of this hour, and it can change because apparently they're thinking about doing all sorts of different things. But as of this hour, they have the number six overall pick, the number 18 overall pick in the first round. With the number six overall pick, the Miami Dolphins are going to do what, Adam Beasley? They will select Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts will be available because the Atlanta Falcons will take a quarterback at four. The Bengals will take Jamar Chase at five. And the Dolphins will get an do-everything playmaker a difference maker, a seam buster, Kyle Pitts. That's uh, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting prediction. So my question is, a lot of people have him as arguably the second best player in this draft. Are you you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean I'm not a scout, but my eyes are pretty uh, convinced. No, no. That I meant the assessment that a lot, of, a lot of people have him as the number two guy. Yes, yeah, that is, I think it's almost universal now that uh, he is ahead of the quarterbacks that will be taken before him except for Trevor Lawrence. And uh, the consensus is, it's not unanimous, but the consensus is he's a better prospect than Jamar Chase. So explain to the folks how it is that the arguably the second best player in the draft and the best pass catcher, according to these, you know, so-called experts, goes six. It, that that just doesn't make sense. Well, I think it's a couple of factors. One is the inflation of quarterbacks, that uh, they go up the board because they're such a scarce resource. And you can win without an all-world tight end, but you cannot win without a really good quarterback. So they'll always get pushed up and overvalued. 
And there's a real chance that quarterbacks go one, two, three, and four. So uh, the Dolphins have to hope quarterbacks go one, two, three, and four, or their little experiment may have failed. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the show. But uh, I, I do believe the Falcons will either end up taking a quarterback or trade with a team that wants one. And then the Bengals are the question, what do they do? And um, I, I think of the three possibilities, and the three possibilities are Kyle Pitts for the Bengals, Jamar Chase, or Panay Sewell, I think Pitts is the least likely. I think Chase's relationship with Joey Burrow, the magic they made winning that national championship in 2019, the Bengals think they can replicate that. And if they don't go with a skill position player, they need to address offensive line because, oh, yeah, Joey Burrow didn't make it through his rookie season without his knee being reconstructed. So um, I think of those three options, Pitts is the least likely. And to me, that's why I think he falls to the Dolphins. So for that to happen, obviously at number four, either the Falcons have to pick a quarterback or they have to trade out with a team that wants to pick a quarterback, right? Right. Um, let's let's assume that it's going to be the latter because I don't know that the Falcons are going to take a quarterback. They might. They might not. They haven't called me to tell me, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't understand why not, but they just haven't. Um, so let's do the exercise on what has to happen for them to trade so that someone who trades into that spot picks a quarterback. Um you talk about so, the Falcons or the Dolphins? The Falcons. The Falcons. The Falcons. Oh. Uh, because obviously what happens at number four is going to have a major repercussion, or is it repercussion, on yeah, on what the Dolphins do at number six, no? Yes, I, I think the, the Falcons uh, hold the key to the entire first round, or at least the top ten. That uh, how th- we, we have a general sense of how the first three picks are going to fall, and really the only question is, uh, are the Niners really in on Mac Jones or is that a smoke screen? They're actually going to take Justin Fields. I think that's really the only mystery of the top three picks. So four is where the draft truly begins. Um, and if the Falcons are determined to take the replacement to Matt Ryan, then that sets up great for teams behind them because it pushes a player that shouldn't be drafted at four up to four. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, whoever it is at four, um, probably shouldn't go that high. Um, but I do think that if the, if the Broncos really want one of those four guys and the and they and they blow the Falcons away with an or, maybe maybe a 2021 first, which is the ninth overall pick, a 2022 first, and then maybe even a second or third either this year or next year, that'll probably be enough to get it done. Um, that is the to me is the scenario. The Broncos, I, I don't see the Falcons moving the whole way to 15, where the, the Patriots are kind of a pressure point. They need a quarterback. That's a huge leap, particularly with so many elite players on the board. Because you have to think about this. Not only the Falcons consider the draft compensation they'd get in the trade, but they'd have to think of what they're passing up to make that trade. And they're passing up, obviously, the best player, not a quarterback, in the draft by trading out. So I think that's a factor. It's a complicating factor. But again, the reports we've heard, obviously, I haven't been at these pro days, but we've heard the reports. Atlanta's been at every single one of these quarterback pro days. And I don't think they're doing that just for the frequent flyer miles. I think they're doing that because they're giving real consideration to taking one of them. Now, maybe the Niners, if they take fields, that blows up their plans because the Falcons love fields, but they don't have as high of an opinion of Mac Jones. I want to get your thoughts before we get much further on the Mac Jones phenomenon, because to me, he at number three is is an enormous stretch. And I think that you are getting a guy at three 
that 10 years ago you would say he's he's a bottom of the first round, top of the second round kind of player. Yeah, I saw someone yesterday comparing – it was Joe Namath. <laughs> he was comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady coming out and actually said that Mac Jones is a better prospect coming out than Tom Brady coming out. And I thought about that. And I understand what he's trying to say. I understand where it's going. But I just don't feel Mac Jones. To me, he is a, he is a system uh, quarterback. And, it, and the system being you surround him with 12 first-round or 11 first-round draft picks uh, over his this is, career. This is all sounding very familiar, by the way. This is, as, a, as a guy who's covering the Dolphins for a long time, this is this sounds very familiar. Yeah, you surround him with a lot of first round draft picks against lesser competition that don't have a lot of first round draft picks. He's going to look pretty good, and I don't think it's so good that you pick him number three overall. I don't even think you should pick him number four overall. To me, he is an immobile, average arm, average uh, accuracy kind of guy that happens to have or happened to have, you know, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and three pro, you know, pro offensive linemen playing in college. And last year he had other guys, you know, that, that helped. I don't see Mac Jones. I don't feel Mac Jones. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm probably <laughs> going to be voting for him into the Hall of Fame someday. But today is not that day, brother. Yeah, I mean, we should take this with a grain of salt because I thought Justin Herbert was going to be an enormous bust. So I'm on record having some mistakes when it comes to evaluating uh, draft-eligible quarterbacks. But I, to me, and, and, and again, we don't know – the, the entire Tua Tungavailoa story yet. It hasn't been written. The first couple of chapters have been written, and they have not been ideal, but we don't know the whole story. But consider this. Max Jones was at Alabama uh, the entire time Tua Tungavailoa was there, and never once did he beat out Tua Tungavailoa for playing time. So in the eyes of Nick Saban, who saw thousands upon thousands of hours of practice time, of film evaluation, of game evaluation, of everything you do to decide who your quarterback is, Nick Saban never once said Mac Jones is our guy and Tua is not. Now we see fast forward a couple of years and Tua is yet to make his mark in the NFL. Why should we believe suddenly Mac Jones is going to be so much better than Tua who had a mediocre rookie season? Is that wrong? Is that a, is that a wrong way to look at it? No. Uh, I just, whenever, and it, whenever anyone speaks to me about Nick Saban's quarterback uh, <laughs> acumen uh, and quarterback understanding. God bless him. He's an amazing college head football coach. But Drew Brees. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Well, think about this. Think about that. 2000- and Dante Culpepper. Yeah, that too. Think about that. It was a 2017, 18, whatever, whichever year it was when Alabama won the national championship when Tua threw that pass. Yeah. Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones were all on that team. That is incredible. Like, we might someday sit back and look at that quarterback room like we looked at, 
the Miami running back room. When was that? When they had Frank Gore and Willis McGahee and all those no. top picks. We, we will never no. look at it like that? No. You know what we'll look at? We'll look at the Alabama wide receiver room <laughs> yeah. like that. Because so. that room had Devonta Smith as a like a what was he a freshman, 155 or, pounds or whatever, or a sophomore. They had Jalen Waddle. They had um, who was it? Um, Judy. They had Judy on Terry their team. Judy. Uh, they had somebody. They had five first round draft picks mm-hmm. um, in that room. Five first round draft picks in that room. So they have talent. And and the the bottom line is not to make everything about Tua and Nick Saban and all that. The bottom line is who do the Atlanta Falcons trade with if they're going to trade out of that pick to have that team come up and pick a quarterback? Well, I think it was pretty clear that they told the Panthers thanks but no thanks because the Panthers were in the market for a quarterback. They traded for Sam Darnold. I don't know if they would rather have had Sam Darnold than Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones, wherever you think that number four quarterback is going to be. But I don't think the Falcons wanted to gift raft a division rival, their franchise quarterback. So the Panthers, I think we need to eliminate them as a possibility because they've already acted on their quarterback. So the team that makes the most sense, the team has made the most sense all along, is the Denver Broncos because I don't think they're sold on Drew Locke. They haven't really given him the vote of confidence publicly, and we always know the vote of confidence isn't even worth that much for a struggling quarterback. So I think the Denver Broncos make the most sense. Maybe the Bears get in there somehow, maybe the the Patriots. But again, for these teams that are way back to make a jump up, they really have to make it worth Atlanta's while, because they're going to be passing up on Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase uh, to make that trade to get go down that far to allow the you know the Patriots or the Bears or a team like that to go up and get their quarterback. So I think it's a possibility. I, I think and we can talk about this later if you want, but I think the, the bigger possibility is that they either take a quarterback of their own, they stay at four, and they think, hey, we're never going to be drafting this high again, not for the next 15 years. We're not going to have this opportunity again in a year with it's as rich as it is with quarterbacks. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off, stay, have one more year of Matt Ryan, and then move on. Uh, or they stay put and they take Kyle Pitts and they crush the hopes and dreams of the Miami Dolphins. Well, here's in, something interesting. So the Bears have the 20th pick. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Falcons going from number four to number 20. I, it, would, I, it, it would have to be it would have to be one of these situations where first they move up to 12 and then from 12 to, to four. Like they would have to make two separate trades or make it a three team trade. I couldn't imagine the Falcons would go that far down. But we've seen we've seen teams been able to maneuver like the 49ers, which was an essentially a three-team trade, jump up nine spots. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but the Bears would have to, to mortgage their future to do so. And they've already done that with Khalil Mack, right? They've already given up a ton of draft picks for one player who hasn't made a difference. Are they going to do it again? Maybe – who's their quarterback, Andy Dalton? Maybe that's – you know, a motivation enough for, for them He's to a trade up. quarterback, yeah. Right. So the Denver Broncos at number nine, <laughs> again, hard for the Atlanta Falcons to go from four to nine. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I think it's more likely, but it is still hard. I think at nine, and the Dolphins are going to have this, and I think this is a broader conversation we need to have, but I think the Dolphins are going to have the same conversation that, yeah, we're not going to get the same player at six as we would at nine if we trade back but we're still going to get a really good player. And I think the, I think the, the Falcons might have that same idea. And, again, I haven't 
study their depth chart, but maybe a player like Panay Sewell would be more appealing to them because they have weapons on the outside to, to throw the ball, or, or maybe even a Micah Parsons, I don't know, some other player that the Dolphins wouldn't consider at that nine spot would be appealing to them. This, this is a good draft. I mean, I know it's quarterback heavy, but I think there, there is a lot of talent in the top end that you could at nine still get a really good player, and that's got to be the Dolphins' hope if, if they eventually move down. If Justin Fields goes to number three with San Francisco, it's over. <laughs> it's a disaster for the Miami Dolphins. And the reason for that is now all of a sudden there is no major, I would say, upheaval. There is no urgency at number four to trade up for Mac Jones. I, I just don't see it. I Again, maybe that's my Mac Jones uh, you know, bias or anti-Mac Jones bias. I don't see folks thinking Mac Jones is someone we have to trade two first-round picks for to get. I just don't see that. Maybe Justin Fields is that guy because of his athletic ability. And, yes, Justin Fields is probably a little bit less of a plug-and-play guy. But you know what? Justin Fields has a better arm, more mobility, more accuracy, and... and he also played at a very high level. So, you know, that's that's the guy that I would say you trade up for, not Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're you're absolutely right on that. I'm just looking at the draft order, other teams that might possibly make sense to make a big leap. Um the Redskins, they're, I'm sorry, the Washington football team, I apologize, they're no longer the Washington Redskins, the Washington football team at nineteen um could go you know, maybe maybe they find a trade partner with like the Giants at eleven, and then make the elite from eleven up. But you're you're really straining. It's you. It's got to be the Broncos, right? If if there's a team that's going to make the move, it's the Broncos. And if it's not, if 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 the if the Falcons have no interest in going to nine, or the the Broncos have no interest in going to four, Chris Greer has got to cross every finger and toe he has that it's going to be a quarterback at four or they're probably going to be trading down because I can't see them. Or maybe the Bengals do something that we don't expect and take Panay Sewell. I mean, maybe they overrule Joe Burrow and and they take the tackle because they saw their tackle get his ACL blown out last year and they need the help. But if the Falcons take Kyle Pitts at four, that next 10 minutes is going to be – it is going to be some some uncomfortable moments in the Dolphins draft room because – um, the Bengals then could really change the, the their pick could really change the dynamic of the entire draft and and what the Dolphins do in it. All right. So assuming that all that happens, the Dolphins are doing what again? Uh, the Dolphins are doing what? They're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting and they're hoping and hoping and hoping. But if the Falcons go position player at four, it's bad news. And they're doing what? The Miami Dolphins are doing what? Yes. I'll answer that question on the, other side, on the other side of the break. So it is Thursday night, a week from Thursday, and we're about 40 minutes into the draft, and the first three picks were as expected quarterbacks. And the number four pick was Kyle Pitts. And the Bengals are on the clock. And it goes tick, 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 tick. And the card they turn in is Jamar Chase. And the top two skill position players are off the board. And, yes, it is not good for the Miami Dolphins. And I think all of a sudden their phone lines light up 
And I think all of a sudden the Broncos are saying, hey, you know what? We can get our quarterback of the future. We can get Trey Lance or we can get Mac Jones uh, or we can get Justin Fields, whichever the three or two of the three are left at, at, at six and only have to give up like what a, 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 a low second, high third, maybe. I mean, that's probably all it would take for them to move three spots. I think the Dolphins probably do it. So I have a theory about this draft, and the theory is as follows. The Dolphins are going to come away from that first pick, wherever it is, mm-hmm. with either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my theory. I don't think they're going to get Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts is as good as everyone says, ultimately talent wins out and gets drafted earlier. If Jamar Chase is as great as everyone says, and he is, I believe he goes ahead of Devontae Smith. I think the Dolphins basically insured themselves of having the choice of the two Alabama guys, and I think they're comfortable with either. I I don't think they would have moved up from 12 to 6 if they weren't okay with that because they had to have known that was the scenario. Now, I talked to – uh, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN today, and he, he's convinced the Dolphins have information that, that would tell them that one of those two guys will be available. How they would get that information, I don't know. But he, he thinks either one of Pitts or Chase will be available at six. He would take Chase over Pitts if given the choice, but he thinks the Dolphins would love both of them. Now, I asked him further, what, well, what if, you know, what if neither of those guys are available? And he says Smith is the player over Waddle. Because if what Smith does well, regardless of size and speed, is get open. And he's, his ability, his shiftiness, his suddenness, his, and he's got some good small space speed and, and moves to get open is elite. Like that is really, really good stuff. And so he thinks the Dolphins would take Smith if those two guys are off uh, the board. But I, I think the Dolphins, I'm agree with you. I think they'd be fine with either of those two dudes or they wouldn't have moved, they wouldn't have given up a first round pick to go from 12 to six. Because they knew by going to six, they were not guaranteed one of the top two guys. They knew that. So they, they surrendered a first-round pick to make that move from 12 to six, knowing that that was a possibility. But I really think, and we saw, what was it, Schefter had it yesterday, or Ian, Ian Rapport had it yesterday. It's been rumored for a while the Dolphins would listen to calls to move back. Um, I think that's what they would hope would happen. I think they would hope that they would move back to nine, and they would be fine taking either Waddle or Smith. And one of those two guys would absolutely be there at nine. And then probably use that ammunition later on in the draft, maybe even to sneak up into the first round a third time to have a third first round pick for the second straight year. Um, and I think, you know, look, I, I think if you tell me that next week they're going to emerge from the first round with Jalen Waddle, with Micah Parsons, and with Najee Harris as their three picks on next Thursday night, that's a home run. I'll be okay with missing out in Kyle Pitts if they get those three dudes. Hey, by the way, uh, I smiled because these uh, reports of the Dolphins are listening to the possibility of trading back. Let Look, people, friends, countrymen, the Dolphins are listening to ideas about trading back. The Dolphins have talked to the Atlanta Falcons about trading up. The, Fal- the Dolphins have talked to the Cincinnati Bengals about trading up, and they've talked to teams about trading back. It's what teams do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's breaking news, okay? Uh, but just if it is, there it is. So the Dolphins, they're open to moving. Can we just say that now? Up and down. 
Well, yeah, they've already moved twice. <laughs> Why would they stop now? I mean, Chris Greer has made a series of trades. I think every draft he's run. Yes, they. If the value is right, and I, I, I think they're still their hope is to still is to extract as much value from that number three pick as humanly possible. Because right now, um, they've gotten what a first round pick in twenty twenty three, and that's about it. Like I think they've got they, they have an extra third. Is that right? Because of the next Eagles, year. yeah, next year. Uh, but they have no additional ammunition this year. In fact, they have less value than they did going into this year because they moved down from three to six, and they also swapped like fourth and fifth round picks, right? So they actually have less value this year than they did a month and a half ago. I think right. they wanted. I, read I that think somewhere. Yeah, where did you read that? Uh, Was it the Miami Herald? Might have been. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think that they're. I think they wanted to put themselves in the position to land one of those top two guys. And if that didn't happen, be open to anything. And I think, I think they are. I think they're open to any possibility so long as it benefits them. All right. So we've done a lot of uh, digging into that first pick. Let's talk about the next one, mm-hmm. number 18. And this is what I would like for the Miami Dolphins to do. Okay. I would like the Miami Dolphins to have three first round draft picks in this draft. They have two firsts and two seconds right now. I would use one of the seconds to trade up into the first round, and I would use the 18th to trade back maybe a little bit. And the reason I want to do that is because there's a sweet spot between, I would say, maybe 16 and 26 where there's going to be a lot of good players that are going to be picked there. Mm -hmm. And – and I would like for the Dolphins to have an opportunity to get two of them instead of just one of them, uh, because history has shown us Chris Greer needs attempts. He needs that. He needs at bats so that he can get hits. Um, and who would your be, Who would your two players be then in an ideal world? I'm I'm gonna be weird about this. I'm gonna tell you that I believe the Dolphins will go defense with uh, one of their later picks, possibly 18. I would go receiver with the first pick, receiver again with the second pick. I am gonna load up that receiver room to where they can have four guys injured, and I've got a first round draft pick that I'm pushing out there. Mm-hmm to catch passes from Tua Tungavailoa because my investment is Tua Tungavailoa. And if he doesn't make it this year, and if he doesn't show the big jump, we have issues. And people are looking over their shoulders about their job. So to me, the easiest way to get that fixed, you've already added a playmaker and a deep playmaker in free agency Give me more. Mm-hmm. I want more. Uh, oh, you know, well, you're gonna, you're gonna need it then because they have no pass rush. Well, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need to, you're, you're gonna need to score a lot of points because they don't have a guy that can consistently get all, get after the quarterback. I don't know that the pass rushers that are going to be available are going to provide it anyway because I know everybody loves Jalen Phillips. Okay, Jalen Phillips. How many years has he done it? Oh, one. And he's been injured a lot. Everybody loves Greg Rousseau. Did he play last year? I don't remember. 
No, and before that, had he done it for several years? Oh no, he didn't. Okay, so you would I mean, you would you would one year wonders. You wouldn't consider Michael Parsons at eighteen, who who might be the He's best. He's an inside defense. linebacker, no? He can play all over the place. He he is a guy that gives them the kind of position for versatility they need. He is not a traditional Ray Lewis middle linebacker. He is a guy that can play a, a hybrid role and absolutely get after the quarterback in a lot of different ways. What's Micah Parsons' size? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I think it's like 6'2", 220, okay? Uh, and the Dolphins' typical, um, I want to say the Dolphins, it's really the New England typical outside pass rusher linebacker is 6'3", 240-ish. 245, uh, maybe 235. He is 6'3", 245. I don't believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that. I don't believe that. uh, Well, I'm sure he got height height and weight taken at his pro day, right? And that was just... In fact, I I shorted him. He's 6'3", 246, according to NFL.com. And he's got 31.5-inch arms and 11-inch hands. He's also a Harrisburg, Pennsylvania guy, so that's why I like him. Ah! Central PA. So, 6'3", Okay, take Michael Parsons. <laughs> no, I, you know, you look at them, and when I, when I looked at him, it's like he's smallish. He's, he's not like well, that. I do, th- like, I do think he also hasn't played in... 16 months or whatever it is. So that's, it's hard to know what you're. He also opted in and opted out and opted in. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to know exactly what you're getting in a guy that his tape is from a sophomore year, right? There's a reason the NFL doesn't want to allow sophomores in because they're not physically ready and all that. Um, So you don't know what you're getting from a guy that really hasn't played football in a really long time. So is that a first round draft pick? Yes. He, he, he's not a top 10 pick, but he's certainly – the 18 is a sweet spot for a guy like that because when you get to 18, you're going to find flaws. Like there's usually only six, seven, eight guys in a draft. You're like, man, these are slam dunks. And after that, you, you find flaws and you, you, you go with your gut and you take one. Watching his tape, that, my gut says yummy. <laughs> my gut says give me some of that food. I want that. That is that is, that is prime rib right there. So, uh, yes, that is what my gut is saying. And I think he would immediately be uh, their best front seven player. Really? Mm-hmm. He would immediately be their best front seven player. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> which tells me something's wrong with their front seven. Well, well, think about this. How many stars do they have in that front seven? Well, I don't know that Micah Parsons is a star having played zero snaps in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you expect them to be. I also expected Charles Harris to be a star. You know, how'd that go? I I'll, We should make a wager. <laughs> Micah Parsons has a better career than Charles Harris in the NFL. Uh, well, let's make another wager. Uh, I'm going to take Micah Parsons against your career in the NFL. Yeah. You, you take you, and I'll take Micah Parsons. You want to make yeah. that wager? Yeah, I'll I mean, take Micah Parsons. What kind of well. wager is that? Hey, who is who? Charles Harris signed with, by the way. Uh, didn't he go to Atlanta? He did, and I think he went somewhere else after Denver. That. Possibly, I don't. 
if only there was, we're going to derail the, the show for Charles Harris? If only there was some sort of technology that would tell you these uh, answers to these questions. Uh, Charles Harris, according to Google.com, is a member of the Tr- Detroit Lions. Uh, so I guess, you know. Dan Campbell. His former coach loves him. <laughs> they're ready for the – they're ready for a lot of physicality and a lot – God bless him. Charles Harris worked hard. I can say that, okay? He was a hard worker. Fair? Sure. Okay. But <laughs> unfortunately, uh, a, you know, activity does not equal accomplishment. Well, and, and that was my broader point, and, I, and it's funny that I brought him up just, you know, off the cuff, but those are the kind of busts that happen late teens, early 20s in the draft. You, 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 you look through the history, top 10 picks, by and large, they have good careers. They might not be pro bowlers, but they have solid careers. You get past 15, 16, 17, and you're crossing your fingers. And, yeah, there are some guys that really pop, but a lot of them just are just guys. They're, they're third-round picks that got pushed up the board because someone has to take somebody in the first round, and they fall in love with them. So, to me, if I get a talent like Micah Parsons, or even better, if I get a talent like Najee Harris, who is being, I think, disrespected in a way by the league, uh, but following as far as he is because of the position he plays. I know like the analytics people are going to crush the Dolphins if they take Najee Harris at, say, 18 or maybe 25, 26 as they move up. I will have zero qualms with that because that guy is a hoss. I mean, he is a really, really good football player who will help them in a lot of different ways. So if you're asking me who I have more conviction in, a guy, a pass rusher like uh, – who's the Michigan guy's name? Kwai, Quay? Quiddy Pay uh, is Quiddy Pay, yeah, that's what it is. Quiddy Pay. If you're going to ask me who I'd rather have him or Najee Harris in the 20s, the running back every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Yeah, that's not the 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 choice. The choice is Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. Ooh, that's a fun. Uh, one. <laughs> that is a that is a fun one. Yeah, because on the one hand, Najee Harris, he looks the part. Mm-hmm. He's six two. He's two thirty. He catches the ball. He protects on uh, third down. He runs the football great for Alabama. Travis Etienne. He's still two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and twenty pounds. No, two hundred and eighteen pounds. Right. He's a home run hitter as opposed to a double. He's hit. more of a home run hitter. Yeah. Whereas Najee Harris. Uh, people are wondering, does he have that extra gear? And the answer is no, he doesn't. He, you know, he's he's not Derrick Henry fast mm-hmm. uh, or big. But, I mean, I even have compared him to Derrick Henry, but he's not Derrick Henry fast. So so which one are you picking? Najee Harris. Really? Over Travis Etienne? Because he's a three-down player. Travis Etienne isn't at 215 pounds. I uh, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I first of all, do you need three down players? Well, I mean, look how they've constructed their running back room. They need an alpha. They have a bunch of you know guys in the wolf pack. They don't have an alpha, right? Yeah. They don't have they 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 don't have the guy that's going to ring the bell for them. And sure, Etienne might be able to do that in the NFL. I would rather have the guy that ran over SEC opponents every week as opposed to somebody who lit up the ACC. And 
I went to an ACC school. You went to an ACC school, although when we went to those schools, they weren't ACC schools. But we're alumni of schools, alumnuses or alumni. We're alumni of schools that are now in the ACC. And the ACC ain't the SEC. I'm sorry. The, the, the talent is just not the same. Clemson is. Clemson's got SEC talent. Wake Forest does not have SEC talent. Wake Forest plays in the SEC. They don't win a game. Okay? And, and that's just the difference. And so I'd rather have a guy that stood up and handled that kind of beating and has gotten stronger as the game goes on than a guy who, look, maybe they've already had Travis Etienne. His name was Kenyon Drake. The, the Dolphins didn't like Kenyon Drake very much, right? They didn't. Lo- I, I, I don't. I'm not sure that that's fair. I'm not sure that they have similar issues. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm just talking from a build and production standpoint. Okay. All right. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a mindset that was, "I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, and you're gonna like it, no matter what you tell me. And sometimes it's gonna work, and other times." One time in, in, in five, it's going to work. Three times in ten, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Dolphins, as far as Adam Gase was concerned, they couldn't afford that because it put them behind the chains. And Brian Flores didn't like it because he didn't like his attitude. So I'm not sure that Kenyon Drake is a good – I will say this. Travis Etienne runs a 4-3-8. I like good. that. That's I like 4 If you're asking me if the Dolphins are, land either of those guys, will I be happy? Sure. I'd rather have Najee Harris then. Okay. All right. Uh, for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. All oh, I, I love it. Action. Conflict on the pod, baby. Conflict my, on the pod. My – why I ought to uh, – my, my guy versus your guy, NFL career versus NFL career. Is that all right? It's perfect. I, I – I, I I think the Dolphins are going to get three, and we got to wrap this up in a minute. But I think the Dolphins are going to get three impact players. The this will not be a you know meat and potatoes draft for them. This will be the hey, what's for dessert and what's that after dinner cocktail going to taste like? Because it's going to be sweet. I think that's what this draft is going to be. That's why I was freaking out when people were saying Panay Sewell, and I'm thinking Panay Sewell. They've had I mean, those. They've had those drafts twice now. They're not having it a third time. Yeah, let, we got to move on from the. We're going to protect everybody, and we're going to protect everybody, and we're going to protect everybody. We got to make some, you know, inroads into the touchdown scoring mode. And so I think who's and the I third think, guy? Oh, uh, if are they tra- are they trading up into the first round? Yeah, we've decided. Then it's Najee Harris. So you're taking Najee Harris twice. No, this no. The second guy is uh, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Okay, I like Micah Parsons too. I wish he was in the two forties instead of two twenties. <laughs> hey, before before we get out of here, DJ Fluker, just a guy, or what do you what, what do you see that signing as? Uh, I see it as a depth kind of situation. I don't think. I mean, he's not a play. He's a backup tackle. He's Julian Davenport. He started 96 games. He started started 96 games in the NFL for some really good football teams. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Look, I think what if if I were Jesse Davis right now, I would be a little nervous. But I would say this: the fact that they signed Fluker now and not in a week and a half tells me they have no interest in in drafting Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. I think that that's a kind. You don't add yet another body to an already full offensive line room. 
if you're giving serious consideration to taking another first-round offensive lineman. I love DJ Fluker as a person. I love him. Uh, but I think Jesse Davis is better. I think he's more versatile. Jesse Davis can play any position on the offensive line, save center. Same. Um, Fluker has played guard as well. He's played both tackles and guard. Yeah. Um, I, look, I'm not going to say that DJ Fluker is going to make this team. You think wow. he's going to make this team? Absolutely. No, not absolutely. But I would say the odds of him being one of the seven best offensive linemen on this team are very high. And they're going to keep nine or ten. So I think he, I think he'll be active every Sunday. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, the the one year DJ Fluker experience is on, and boy, am I excited! Oh, I can feel it. I can no, sense I, it. I think he's going to be great for the locker room. Uh, a team needs some some maturity, and I think he's going to bring it. I think he's the first guy that they've signed that's thirty years old. I think Jenkins was the first, and he's the second. So they have two guys that were forgot <laughs> Jenkins. Yeah, that were born in the uh, uh, in the early '90s. The rest are a bunch of kids. So, but they need it. You're right. They, I mean, they're a young team. They're 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 a very young offensive line. And but now they have Eric Flowers, they have Matt Skura, and they have DJ Fluker. I think, and they along with Jesse Davis, that's that's the core they need to to, to help these young guys along. Uh. Closing thought, parting shot, go. I'm excited to go to Cleveland next week. It looks like the weather is going to be nice, and it's my first time covering a draft, so uh, it should be a good time. Parting shot from me, draft a center. They need a center. So that's all I'm going to say. It doesn't have to be first round, second round, but you need a center. It's as simple as that. I think they'll take one possibly in the second round. That's fair. That's your second parting shot. You went against the rules. All right, so we appreciate you joining us on this week's Dolphins In-Depth Show, the video edition. We'll do it again next Tuesday. It will hit the stands and the podcast realm on Wednesday, and you'll be in Cleveland by then. I'll be in lovely South Florida. I win. <laughs>